Hello and welcome to our Chamber Conversations. This edition is all about race, ethnicity and discrimination. The Chamber launched a commission in autumn last year and joining me to discuss that work is the Chair of the Commission, Nagma E. Banks Benny, Anila Ali from LNER and Stefa Ducey. Welcome everybody. Can I start with you, Nagma? And obviously you run your business, Prima Cheese, but you've taken time to lead this commission. What exactly is the purpose of it? Um, well, hello, Kay. Um, the reason why I joined um, or was asked to be part of the commission, I feel, is that I'm just very, very passionate, first of all, about our region, but also about ethical practices. Um, and I really wanted to find a way that connects my own moral values with what I can give and share to the region. Um, I've lived uh, and been brought up in this uh, community for most of my life, um, apart from going away to study for some time and then coming back. And I've seen that there's been um, a huge, a, a, an increase of people from different, different ethnic minority backgrounds living here, working here, contributing to our society. Um, and on reflection, I'm not seeing, I see a disconnect, if you like, between the people that I see out in our, in our environment, in our region, and the people represented within our organisation. Um, so I really felt like there was, uh, it's important to, have, um, to, to identify and embrace that wider pool of talent that we have, which is, of course, a huge benefit socially and economically. Can I come to you first, Steph? Why did you want to be part of the Commission's work? Um, I think for me, it, it's a, it's part of who I am. You know, I'm a black woman. I was born and brought up in Newcastle. Um, so the north of England is very much home to me. But also being um, a black woman um, within the northeast is something that I just live and experience every day. I've always been somebody who's really seen the value in diversity within wherever you are and that could be any type of diversity I think the more differences you can have the more difference of thought that you get and the better things are um, but I do think that sometimes particularly with race that gets in the way and that actually because somebody looks different or may talk with a slightly different accent or has a different cultural background that really can get in the way and people to be quite honest with you, some people are treated absolutely appallingly, purely simply because of their ethnic background. So for me, it was something about how can I help the Northeast to grow and to prosper, but also help people who are really getting a raw deal when it comes to the way they're treated and the life um, experiences that they have. That's that's absolutely horrific to hear, actually, because I'm white and um, I know some people who are Asian and black who have had similar experiences and it is absolutely, the heart, stories are heart-wrenching. Can I come to you, Anila? What, what's your experience in the region? Why did you want to be part of this commission? Thank you. Um, no, um, very similar for me. I'm, I'm quite passionate about this subject. I really wanted to raise awareness and change behaviour and wanted to create that more safer, more accepting environment where people can actually be themselves. Um, I think it's really important to sort of identify that cross-cultural and diverse thinking and behaviours. And, and, and as I say, the more diverse a business community is, 
we, we tend to be more successful and we'll become more of a successful business community. The Northeast is a fab place to live and work and we have so much to offer. I just can't see it represented in our business communities. We have a lot of diverse um, people with different backgrounds, etc. And through the education system, but we don't actually then go and see it in workplaces. And I truly believe in order for young people to really want to step out of their comfort zone, they need to see it in senior positions. And I don't think that's there. So it's that whole concept. We need to see it to be it. And I don't think that's present within our business community currently. And that's one of the reasons why I'd like to sort of join and like to think, can we do something to change behavior? That's really powerful. If I could just come back to you briefly, Nagma, you've actually devised about nine points that you would like the Commission to look at. Do you want to just give us a brief outline of the flavour of two or three of those? I know, for example, that you've talked about recruitment and a little bit about everyday racism. That's right. Well, um, when the, the Chamber wanted to launch uh, the Commission, which was fantastic news, what we identified was that we wanted to really encourage and support more diversity and inclusion in local companies and organizations. And for us to do that, we need to better understand how we can all contribute to promoting that and promoting developing practices and policies that uh, promote racial equality. From the meetings that we've had uh, so far with the commission members, we've um, devised, if you like, nine points that we feel are quite significant to address, to explore, to challenge. Um, first of all, these nine points are, so the first one being data. We need to really look at the data, look at um, you know, how many people, how many companies within our region actually have um, a diversity program in place. Do they really understand uh, diversity inclusion? Do they understand some of the points that we will be going on to discuss? Because of course, without having data there, um, without doing the survey, we won't know um, exactly the recommendations that would be suitable for our region. We're not looking at it from a national perspective. It is quite a regional perspective. So one is data. Um, two within our list that we will go through is promoting diversity. Um, three being education. When we mean education, we don't mean obviously education of young people. It's education of ourselves. It's education, educating, if you like, um, our unconscious biases, or at least challenging them, um, you know, talking about how we can add value to our workforce and how we can promote, um, you know, better working relationships, better uh, best working practices when it comes to inclusive uh, behavior, behavior towards people from different, different races, ethnicities and religions. Um, number four is recruitment, looking at uh, the role of the recruiter um, within the whole organizational setup, uh, the framework. Uh, five comes training, and that could obviously include things like team building exercises, workshops, courses. Um, so what the goal of educating um, the workforce would be and how that goes on into uh, the training of the workforce. Six, op op employment opportunity, progression opportunity, um, something that obviously Anil has just mentioned now, you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So it's that representation. 
Uh, number seven, workplace discrimination. Um, you know, very simple uh, changes that people can make, conscious small changes that um, we can recommend that, you know, people being mindful of the way that they are addressing others and how and what impact that has on others. Um, and number 10 is advocating diversity and inclusion programs. So how do companies continue along this route? Um, not just, you know, having a tick box uh, exercise where, you know, companies or organizations have gone through a diversity and inclusion program and they feel that, you know, that's it, we've come to the end of the road, we've, we've done that, uh, we've ticked that box off. How do you continue to advocate that within the workplace? within organisations. That's great. That's such a comprehensive list and it covers everything that you could think of in terms of every areas of people's life and their working life. I know I've been um, born and bred in the northeast, and until I was 18, I think I'd only met two people who were non-white and I went to Coventry University and it was so multicultural. It was absolutely fantastic, but it made me very aware of it when I used to come home that I didn't get all the kind of fantastic, all the different food produce, the different cultural backgrounds that the people I met. So I know the Northeast has historically not been full of people from all different kinds of heritages. Um, and when we were discussing this podcast, Nadma, you were saying that we do seem to be one of the more, the least diverse parts of the UK. Um, I wonder if I could come to you, Steph. Do you think there are particular problems to this, to this region compared to other parts of the country? Is the more covert racism, for example? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm probably not that much younger than UK, really. And when I was growing up in Newcastle, it was kind of, I knew every black person in Newcastle. They were either related or a friend of the family. And then I went away to Leicester, interestingly, very similar experience, came back. And it was like, oh, my goodness, where have all these people come from? And it was, you know, over the last 10 or 15 years, um, we've had a huge change in the ethnic makeup of some of the areas of the northeast um, and I think one of the things that I find quite frustrating is probably the right word is that people will say well we're not really diverse in the northeast and if you're talking about Northumberland you're probably right and the same with Durham but actually look at Newcastle. Newcastle is um, about a fifth um, from a black, Asian and minority ethnic background, if you start looking at the under 25 population and particularly school age population, a third are from a, a black, Asian, minority ethnic background. So it's not the level of London, but actually it's a lot more diverse than you might think. And, and Middlesbrough and certain places within Teesside, Sunderland are the, are the same. So we do have pockets of very diverse communities. I think what you get up here, though, in terms of um, racism, different to Leicester. So Leicester, I used to get quite overt racism. And um, I had both a white boyfriend and then later an Asian friend. And I would get um, criticism from all sections of the community for not sticking with my own, mm -hmm. um, which just used to infuriate me. Um, up here you used to get less of that you'd get quite a lot of just ignorance to be honest people saying the wrong thing because they didn't realize it was the wrong thing um but quite a lot of that covert stuff so people just treating you differently but you didn't realize until you saw how they treated everybody else or um you not getting opportunities to do things um unfortunately i think there is a bit more of the overt stuff now. There's a bit more of the name calling. I think people 
have probably been given permission because of some events. Uh, they think that it's okay to say and do that type of thing now. But it's still, I think, the thing that is actually the most damaging is that hidden, that covert racism. Mm -hmm. It's the um, just the little everyday things that people will do and treat you differently that you're sitting there as a as a, a person of colour, for want of a better way of describing it, and you go, I know why you're doing that. But then if you try to explain it to somebody who's never experienced it, they go, that's not racism. Oh, no, that happens all the time. Don't worry about it. And it's like, no, I, I know what this is about. Mm -hmm. And and every you talk to other people who are, are Black or Asian, and they all go, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that is really quite difficult. I could imagine. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, even if you feel uncomfortable about it. But is there anything, like even hypothetically, that you could share as an example to illustrate what you mean? Um, I mean, well, there's loads of, uh, you know, people will sometimes um say things like they'll be talking about um, oh, so say say they'll be talking about um, Indian food. And they go from talking about an Indian food to talking about Indian people. And then they go, not you, I, not you, of course. And I, first of all, I think, well, yeah, because I'm not Indian. So you've, you've obviously just looked at me and thought I'm not white and therefore it must be me. But the fact that, that you say, not you, I'm not talking to you, but those people. Um, that term in itself, those people or people like them or people like you. Um, which is kind of like saying, well, you're all the same. Um, the term BAME or, or Black Asian Minority Ethnic is one of those ones where actually people don't seem to realise that there are huge differences between various different people who are Black. Um, so I'm very different being a mixed heritage person brought up in the Northeast to somebody who has come from West Africa, to somebody who's come from South Africa, to somebody who's come from the Caribbean, never mind somebody who's got a Pakistani origin. Mm -hmm. But one of the ones that really, um, really gets to me is when people um, struggle with names. So um, if, we, if we look at the names here, we've got Aduse, which is my surname, we've got Anila and we've got Nagma. Now, I'm not from the same cultural background to either of, of the other two, and Kay, of course, um, but I've learned how to say your name because I care enough to make sure that I can pronounce your name. Mm -hmm. A lot, of, What a lot of white people seem to do is they look, they see a foreign name, and they go, oh, I can't pronounce that. So they then either decide they're going to call you something different or they just get your name wrong every single time. No matter how many times you explain how to pronounce it, they get it wrong. Um, and that's just to me that's just rude and it, it's be, it's because that racial thing gets in yeah. the way I think you raise an interesting point there Steph um I because my name's Anila and then they think I spell it wrong and they think it's Angela so I've had in the times oh is it Angela and I'm like no no it's Anila <laughs> so I'm like no it does have two e's in it it doesn't have a gene I haven't misspelled my name so it just made me laugh there it just reminds me of point a couple of times where people have thought I've misspelled my name I'm like no no it's Anila. What's your experience in the northeast Anila if you wanted to share how you feel the region yeah. is changed? Yeah, no, definitely. It, it's very um, like sort of I grew up here Um, I sort of got educated in the school sort of um, lost of Jess, um, sort of Jasmine. There wasn't many sort of people from a, a sort of um, black Asian ethnic minority with sort of in my forum or in my year. Um, 
but it was quite interesting so for me I didn't grow up thinking I was any different it's only until maybe I got to sort of university and start to think oh well I've, I am different to others I, I I'm like sort of I talk different I've got culture and it's like I met different people and start to have conversations and you think oh wow like because there's a lot of people from different parts of the country that you meet at university um so it was an interesting journey and then when you get to sort of work then you start to realize like all these people that you met at university or like the communities that you live in are not really represented in like sort of workplaces and that for me was like can I actually be myself so I remember because I'm Muslim and I'm, I'm from a Pakistani background and um I used to I observe a Ramadan and um, I was remember being at work and I started to sort of talk about Ramadan and how we observe the sort of 30 day fasts, etc. And the look on people's faces like, well, what's that like? Oh, how do you do that? Oh, do you not like sort of, the comments and things that I used to get from some people I worked with? I just felt like I don't feel like I want to be myself, but because obviously they judge you, and I'm like, no, I can't do that. And, and I was lucky because I was quite a sort of a, 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 like sort of confident young person. But I can see if you're not confident, people could actually draw back in and not be actually wanting to work for these individuals or organisations that can't actually be themselves or express themselves. So I think it's really, really. important important that us as businesses or like sort of institutions that we actually welcome different cultures and understand as opposed to start the initial reaction is people when you tell them if you're different is to mock people mm-hmm. or, or come up with a joke or something or and just like joke it down or sort of like you like uh, uh, Steph was talking about COVID racism being subtle about it but you know it's not it's like or one comment was oh well do you rush to the fridge and once you can eat open your fast and like put your head in the fridge and like then waving like a bacon sandwich in front of your face and you're like well I can't eat that anyway are you hungry and it's like okay this is quite interesting you can laugh it off because you're a confident um you're able to stand up for yourself but there's individuals that won't be able to stand for that and that would actually put them off from working in these places so I thought I'd share that (laughs) yeah no I think it's really interesting because um literally minutes before we we came on to do this I, I read something on LinkedIn and it really resonated with me so one of my concerns is that dealing with all of this kind of everyday of um micro incivilities as people describe them it's really quite exhausting and it damages our health. So it, it causes a lot of stress that we just live with every day. And it's only when things like um, the, the protests that happened in June last year happen and you suddenly have to think about the stuff you deal with on a day-to-day basis. And then for me, it actually became quite overwhelming. And it was like, I just do all of it, but it causes a lot of stress. So you get a lot of ill health as a result of it. But actually, the thing that I saw on LinkedIn was about the fact that um, as as a a person of colour, you spend a lot of time trying to make sure that the white people around you are comfortable. Because if they feel uncomfortable, then actually that is quite an insecure place for you to be. And if they feel secure, you feel safe. If they feel insecure, you don't feel safe because actually when somebody feels insecure, the natural reaction, the instinct is to go on the attack. 
So actually, as a black person living as a minority, what you do is you spend a lot of time and effort making sure that all the white people around you are comfortable. So we adapt, as Anila said, yeah. you adapt, you change, kind of you laugh things off, but that actually aren't funny at all. But that's because you don't want to confront it. Because if you do, then people become uncomfortable and you're then put into a position where you're not safe. Exactly. It's just things if you sort of challenge it, you then become the outsider and you want to be accepted. So things that probably aren't a big deal at that moment in time, you learn to accept, you start Mm -hmm. to absorb. And I think that's like, but why should people have to do that? It's because we want to be accepted. Like you say, Steph, it's so important. If we think back and reflect at the amount of things that we probably just absorbed and tucked on the chin are probably not even acceptable. In, in in like sort of workplaces today so I think it's it's about making a presence and we do want to sort of challenge that norm and it's about challenging those behaviors and how do you make people to do it because it was an interesting question that Nagma raised last a couple of weeks ago is like how do you how do you make people think that they're actually doing wrong like oh by the way you or do you think you're racist well people are obviously going to turn around and go no 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 I'm not it's going to be in the standoff, but it's, but people are, people don't realize it's ingrained behaviors that they've genetically and their genetics have been brought up through education, work, university, through life. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. And that's what, for me, one of the things is, you know, we've all, um, we've all got companies, organizations. So I, I work for St. Oswald and, um, but one of the things that we all have in common is we need our workforce to be there and doing what they need to do. That's, you know, if, if we've got workforce who are unwell or mm. are not as productive as they could be, then that actually costs us money. And it doesn't matter whether you're a charity or a, a business or a, a public sector organization. So as an as employers, why do we not really focus on making sure that we've got the kind of environment where everybody feels happy and safe and comfortable and is therefore more productive because they're not having to worry about oh, actually, um, am, am I being racist or are people being racist towards me? It's, it's actually about people feeling that they can work well together with their colleagues for the benefit of their organisation or company. Um, and unfortunately, things like race will get in the way of that and you end up with people being far less productive than they should be because they're having to worry about protecting themselves they don't feel comfortable um, and you know you were talking about university we have a lot of people um who come to newcastle and, and northeast based universities to study but then choose to move to places like birmingham and london because they believe that they are better places to work if you're not white and actually having lived and worked in leicester I would much rather be up here than Leicester. Much yeah. rather. I find that the the the, um, the multiculturalism up here, whilst um, there are far fewer people of colour up here than there are in Leicester, the racism I experienced in Leicester was far worse than it was up here. Yeah. So we want to look at how we can retain that talent, including the talent that we're... Yeah producing ourselves in terms of our our children and things we want to retain that in the northeast and want people to stay here and work here no definitely so thank you um that um i remember talking to you stuff about was that with me doing the publicity for our commission 
even though I'm trying to be a, a sensitive to issues that um, might not have necessarily struck me, I still feel very apprehensive that I'm going to end up being racist and how I'm perhaps speaking to somebody through no no intention. What can you suggest, Anila, um, all three of you, please, if we could perhaps start with, with you, Steph. What can people do just to make sure they're not being hurtful and offensive when they're speaking about issues of race? Um, I think, first of all, that if you're coming from a position of ignorance, <laughs> you know, just be, be upfront about that. Say, I don't know, and I'm really sorry if I use the wrong terms, please tell me. You know, I don't think any of us around, around this table are, are experts at all. So, you know, if I'm talking about something, I'm talking about it from what I know. But if I say the wrong thing or make an assumption, I'm quite happy for someone to say, actually, Steph, that's just wrong. Um, and I'll learn from that. So I think being open about the fact you don't know everything and almost apologizing in advance if you get anything wrong, I think that's probably quite a good starting point. I think there is something as well about, for those of us that, that do come from different ethnic backgrounds, is that whilst I know some of us are carrying quite a lot of hurt and our natural instinct sometimes is to jump on people when they say and do the wrong thing, there's something about just trying to be quite calm when we react to that rather than instantly jumping on somebody because it may just come purely and simply from a position of, of I don't know. Do you want to add to that Anila? Yeah no I, I guess it's it's all a learning curve and I think sometimes I think it's it's not having that ignorance like Steph said it's being polite and obviously and it, it necessarily doesn't need to be apologetic but just saying can I come can I understand a bit more about this like you were talking about can I understand and asking the question I think I, d I don't know if it's it's like sort of a culture or stereotypical but we tend to humor things when we're not comfortable with things like we tend to go into humor mode and sometimes the individual who's on the receiving end may not know how to take that. Is it offensive or is someone trying to mock, mock obviously your way of working or thinking or doing things? Um, so I think it's always about, can I just understand a bit more? Why do you do that? Like just why and understand it and just, just have a casual conversation. And I think the fact that people don't probably ask and just assume doesn't allow you to be like, like I say, it's about being yourself. So I think asking questions, saying, oh, well, how, why do you do that for? Just opens that, betters that relationship, I guess. That, for me, is the key point takeaway from there. What about you, Nag? What advice would you have for somebody who wants to make sure they're being supportive of colleagues and not saying something that could be potentially hurtful? Following on from what Anila and Steph were saying, I think that um, if you are genuinely um, ignorant, if you like, to wording or the vocabulary that you should use um, you know it's fine and fair enough and Steph and Anila have spoken about that but on the same hand if you if you are aware of the terms that people are using around you are incorrect it's not to not to go along with if you like the the joke or to turn a blind eye I think that we need to start stepping up and taking responsibility um, of what we know to be right and how and what we know and have seen in, in media of the way that we should be treating and speaking to people from um, different religious and ethnic minority backgrounds. Um, I think that goal of educating um, people around us, we should all be part of because we need to make people aware of their own unconscious biases um, to instill that new perspective. Um, and there has to be people that, you know, 
bridge bridge gaps and strengthen relationships if we were all to say well we know we weren't aware we didn't know well you know we weren't we didn't mean to cause offense but you can clearly see the people around you are being affected by the way that you speak or the, the jokes and you know the when the joke is on one person it doesn't feel very nice so i think that you know in the same instance if you didn't know that's fair enough but if you do know step up and say something is there anything that you've done thank you is there anything you've done in your business steph to encourage diversity i just wondered if there was any tips for example i know in the commission's work we've talked about having um interview panels or um, applications where people's names are not on them, which is not something that I would have ever thought about. What kind of advice would you have if a company wants to be diverse? Um, I think not, well, actually, interestingly, not so much around um, racial diversity, but some of the things that I've found that have really helped in just broadening the type of people that, that you get. I think that there's a lot to be said around taking out a lot of the personal information um, from, from CVs. I know a, a friend of mine had been applying for jobs, didn't get anywhere. A job that he wasn't even shortlisted for came up again and the agency that he was working for said, put your CV in again, but change your name because they had a very um, Zimbabwean name. And he kind of went, oh, don't be stupid. And they said, no, just do it, shortlisted. Whoa. Um, and you kind of think, you know, there's there's no reason for that. Exactly the same CV, just a different name. Um, so you do sort of think there's, there is some stuff like that that's going on. But actually bringing people from outside onto interview panels can be really useful. So, um, you know, approaching somebody who is from a different ethnic background, if you've got all white senior managers in your organization and it would be senior managers who are on the interview panel approach somebody else who's at that level and ask if they'll sit on the interview panel as well so that they can provide a different perspective and actually sometimes challenge when when your panel's um, thinking may be coming from the the point of unconscious bias and and that works it doesn't matter what you're doing it could be around recruiting for gender diversity racial diversity whatever it's it's really useful to have that external perspective i, I did see um somebody who i'm on a, a board with they were saying that it's really important to have two people from different ethnic backgrounds if you've got a makeup of a board because if there's just one person from a different background to the other board members, they will probably be more likely to perhaps agree with the consensus, whereas they've got somebody else who's got a similar background to themselves. That's not the case. Um, Anela, what have you got to say about this? Have you got any tips, please? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we, I'm fortunate that I work for a great company called um, LNE Ireland and Northeast Railway, and we've started to implement sort of inclusive, diverse working through training programs. So all our employees go through um, inclusive and diverse working programs. And what's really worked well is that we've sort of raised the issue. We've been doing webinars at work. Um, and also um, followed on by modules. And what the, what was interesting in each of these modules was they played out certain scenarios of like day-to-day -day, um, situations that could possibly occur. And you wouldn't think that that was obviously being any sort of, that they were being discriminative in any way. And that's like even towards women or like when women coming back and sort of after pregnancy or like just even when they get married, these all these assumptions, there's certain 
different different scenarios that were really thought provoking were played out in front of the screen very short but it makes you think and it makes you probably reflect on your own actions so I thought they were really really good and I think if companies can do that and roll out some training programs that demonstrate role like or role play certain situations that could potentially be happening in their organization I think that would be a great way of sort of addressing um, or even changing their behavior towards people or situations. That's great, thank you. Thanks. Nadma, can I come to you, please? Um, could you explain some top tips and also say where you think the Commission could be in a year's time and what you hope it will have achieved? Yeah, sure. So um, within uh, my organization here, within my company, um, we did, well, we export to 52 different countries and um, on the back of exporting, I found that avenue to start discussing, talking about um, differences in culture and religion and uh, to, to the staff, to the workforce, so they could, A, first of all, understand the markets that we were selling product into. Um, by doing that, there has been a huge growth of interest, if you like. Uh, we also of, of interest from the from our workforce in trying to understand, um, you know, the, the differences of, as I say, cultural differences, religious differences, and also, um, you know, the, the things that bind us together. So there's been a really big push for me in trying to celebrate um, all of the kind of nationalities that we are first exporting to but using that as a tool to really bring our diverse workforce together by celebrating small things you know doing small things like celebrating uh, different cultural religious uh, uh, celebrations, Eid, as uh, Anila said, you know, Chinese New Year, uh, the Jewish New Year. So, you know, we really do try to uh, roll it out, not for only our staff, but what the company represents, absolutely. Um, so by the Chamber and what we hope to uh, achieve at the end of all of this, um, hopefully, will be something that we can give out as a, as a recommendation, as I said, for our region, and that's um, something that's really key here. We don't want it to be a general kind of blanket recommendation that you've maybe seen online or, you know, have accessed before. It really is quite specific. Um, the main focus is, you know, on, on what we've been discussing, social behaviour, um, challenging biases and opinions and talking. And, you know, if you like, maybe, you know, top, bringing to the fore uh, the topics that we have historically uh, sidestepped or avoided previously because of the, uh, well, the, the lack of ethnic minority uh, people within this region in comparison to others. Um, so, you know, just being able to, to be able to discuss it makes people feel more comfortable um, to then bring up their own uh, opinions or you know that some of their maybe uh, and to be able to challenge their own opinions shall we say great thank you steph do you want to make a, a closing comment yeah i mean for me i think that the commission has a lot of potential to highlight some areas i have a, a, a colleague in another company who talks about a, a spanner and a torch and it's about shining that torch onto the areas where things really need to change and also to help people to see why they need to change because actually you might think you're doing okay but you're probably not 
Um, but then you need the spanner. So hopefully we're going to this whole toolkit of these are some things that will help. These are some things that you can use to help to sort some of this stuff out. And what this is about is about really making the northeast into an even better region than it is. I absolutely love being in the northeast. I think it is the best area in the country um, to be in. But it's about making it even better and, and making sure that we prosper as a region and as individuals. What about you, Anila? Have you got a closing comment? Yeah, just following on from um, everybody, everyone, everything, everyone. Oh, I can't even say that. I'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> following on from what everyone's just said, I think it, it is true. We, we are a great region and we want to make it even better. And I just think if we can sort of even change a few behaviours or create something that's thought provoking through the commission, it will be really interesting to get people to allow themselves to truly be themselves through whatever platform, education, work, even any like even the chambers. It'd be great that people can actually be themselves and start expressing their feelings. And I think the commission's the route for that. That's fantastic. Thank you. That's been really inspirational. And I've learned so much as well. And I'm sure the people who listen to this podcast, again, will have so much that they can start to begin to implement in terms of their own workplaces as well. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everybody who listened. And if you want to find out more about our work, it's all available on the Chambers website. And you can keep updated about the Commission's work by looking at that and also our Twitter and social media feeds. Thank you very much.